Ryan Rashog. Shogger, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to talk to you guys. So, a win over the Boston Bruins, which is uh, very rare for any team to do this year. Where would yesterday's victory rank in, in the accomplishments of the Edmonton Oilers so far this season? Oh, it's the high point of the season, right? You roll into Boston, a place where nobody wins, never mind winning in regulation, uh, taking on a team that's on an absolute tear, uh, give up the first goal, uh, you pretty much lights out any time that happens, and you find a way to battle back in that game and, and grab a win. That's, I don't know that there will be much more of a high point to the season than, you know, than that. And then, really, when you think about it, Oiler high points often have to do with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, right? Like the goal against the Rangers last year, all these crazy moments. When you think about all Oiler moments, those guys were front and center. But what's meaningful about last night's win, you guys, is they weren't. They were not front and center at all. They were, felt like McDavid didn't even have the puck all night long. Yet they beat the Boston Bruins without those guys having to lead the charge. So that's a big win in that room for a bunch of guys. Never mind just a big moment created by the two guys that always create big moments. Rich, what's bigger for you is that they won the game and had secondary scoring, like you mentioned, without McDavid and Dreisaitl contributing, or the fact that Stuart Skinner went into a hostile environment and, jo- and got the job done? Yeah, I think the fact that Skinner won that game is, is important, and it's a confidence booster for him. But more than just winning the game, oh, he wasn't good early. He wasn't. That first period, you look at the goals he let in, and there was one that was disallowed. I don't think he'd like any of them. Mm-hmm. And so that's jarring. They gave up a goal in the last second of the opening period. That's crushing. Yet he was able to steal himself, went right back in, played really good for the final 40 minutes. The Oilers were able to steady themselves when things weren't going well against a team that gives up nothing. And they were able to find the game. So your point about Skinner is well taken. Not just that he got the win, but that it didn't go well, steadied himself, buckled down, and got himself and the team the win. That's, that's what I talk about, these, these, the victory last night. It was for a bunch of guys, for a bunch of different reasons. It wasn't just about McDavid and Dreisaitl. Rish, I don't know if you think this or any, any of us on the show right now think this, but I think when a player changes teams, sometimes they look a little bit different. And it's like Ekholm, when he put the Oilers jersey on, he grew four feet. Like, he looks like <laughs> a monster out there. And I don't ever remember yeah. him watching him play in Nashville, him kind of sticking out as being this giant out there. But, man, has he fit in nicely. I don't know if he's going to continue to play with the Bouchard kid, but he can really, like, people talk about bringing in a player to kind of solidify things and slotting everything nicely. He certainly has done that, hasn't he? I don't know that I've seen a better example of a guy coming in and not just providing his own solid play, mm-hmm. but providing a level of calm for everybody because of the space he takes up and the way he yeah. lets everybody else fit into a more comfortable position. So let's never mind his play, right? His play has been fantastic. He's been excellent defensively. He's been killing penalties, blocking shots. Um, he's been doing everything and more that they could have wanted him to do. Let's move past that. Let's talk about Darnell Nurse, right? Reduce His minutes have been up still. He's been playing lots. But Ekholm's out there against the other team's top line, too. He takes some of the tough minutes. So Nurse's minutes 
aren't going to be as tough because Matias Ekholm is there. Let's talk about Brett Kulak, basically playing on a second pairing most of the year. He's not a second pairing defenseman. Now his matchups are significantly different. Now let's talk about Evan Bouchard, a young, developing defenseman who is still so susceptible to the ups and downs of confidence. He was the veteran on his pairing all year with Philip Broberg. He went from playing with Duncan Keith last year, basically like another coach to his left, to being the elder statesman on his pairing. Now Matthias Ekholm is back there. Guys, Evan Bouchard is a different player. Confidence. He's heading up ice with the puck. He's four-on-one. He decides to pick his shot and snipe it on a four-on-one. He's hitting guys. He's like, he is a different player. So Ekholm's impact, you guys, ripples through the entire decor. It's not just about him coming in and playing well. So, Ryan, obviously McDavid wasn't the story in the big win over the Bruins the other night, but he has been the story of the league this season. I'm looking at the on-pace numbers. He's on pace for 67 goals, 154 points. We're talking about a season we haven't seen in, in decades. Yeah. I mean, you see it up close you know, every night. I mean, what stands out about the goal scoring? Because we knew he could pile up points, but we hadn't seen him score goals in this fashion. I think his previous career high was 44. What's changed? Well, okay, so there's the technical part of what's changed in his game. Uh, we just did a deep dive on this. We did like a four- or five-minute feature on SportsCenter the other day. So here's the technical end. The statistics will show he is taking the puck to the middle of the ice and shooting through traffic more than he ever has before in his career. That's an Austin Matthews effect, right? That's, that's Austin Matthews. And McDavid talked about how when you score 60 goals, you're doing something right. He, he actually hit the video room, and he focused in on what guys like Matthews and Crosby were doing. Crosby scored a lot of goals from around the blue paint. He dug in on this a little bit, so he's shooting through traffic more, more often. He is three times more likely to shoot on a two-on-one this year than he was last year. Like, these stats are real. Connor McDavid has developed a shooter's instinct, which is impressive, you guys. We all know that was not his game when he came into the league. We've watched him develop a shooter's instinct, and I think it comes from him understanding for this team to go where he wants it to get to, it was something he was going to have to do. Do you think he was in a competitive-type fashion, Rich? Do you think he was pissed off that Austin Matthews won the Hart Trophy last year? I don't think pissed off is, is right, because I think if you were to ask him, you know, who would you vote for? I'm not saying he would say Matthews, but I think he understands those that would. He gets the game. He knows the value of goals, right? He gets the game as well as anybody. So I don't know if pissed off, like he's been ripped off in some way, shape, or form is the right way to put it, oh, but I think, listen, does Connor McDavid like sitting there and watching Austin Matthews on an award night sweep and be the man? I mean... I'm sure he thinks, okay, yeah, that's, that's what I'm here to do. It kind of a hold my beer season, right? Okay, 60 is the mark. Okay, great, hold my beer. And so I think he, he's motivated by winning for his team, but absolutely that would be motivation for him watching the success Matthews had. Some would say that Matthews maybe closed the gap a little last year, right? Maybe closed the gap a little. Well, he's just busted that thing wide open now. It's not even close the way that he's playing him and anybody else in the league. So, yeah, does that come from a little place of ego? Of course it does. Oh, all great players have that. And, Ryan, of course, he'd give it all up for success in the playoffs. In um, yeah. last segment, you know, we were talking about the Western Conference and how wide open it is. And, 
and O's opinion is if they get any kind of goaltending that no one can beat the Oilers, what is your level of confidence in this team? Or or when was the last time you were this confident? Excuse me, I never said no one could beat the Oilers. I said I like their chances. Okay. Death Row, continue, please. Sorry. I was paraphrasing <laughs> my good friend Jeff O'Neill. You radioed me, and I'm on the same show as you. Yeah, you just got radioed. <laughs> yeah. I thought my words were even better. But anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you were this confident in the Edmonton? Oilers, Ryan. Yeah, uh, I mean, I honestly don't know that I have looked at a team and thought this group could do some significant damage and be a cup finalist. I mean, the the 06 year, they, they made all those trades and Chris Pronger was there and it, it sort of felt like, oh, they got a pretty good group, um, but they end up getting through to a Stanley Cup final. I don't think I saw that coming. Nobody would be surprised if the Oilers were in the Stanley Cup final this year. It would make sense to everybody. So to answer your question, I probably have not looked at a group of Oilers and thought the potential Stanley Cup contender the way I do right now. Um, but listen, oh, uh, Colorado Avalanche are on line one for you. Oh, I can't believe you disrespect them like that. Oh, by completely, <laughs> basically giving the West to the Oilers. Why do they, It'll be a waste of eight days for Colorado to play Edmonton. Hey, oh. That's why I had to make a correction there, Rishi, because <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. The one guy yeah, I, I mean, like, Rishi, hockey-wise, you got to give credit, like, hockey-wise. I, all, I, all I know is about the player that I'm watching on the ice. And Kenny Holland, I think, stuck his neck out there a little bit when he made the acquisition of or the signing of Evander Kane. He's become a pretty important guy for them, hasn't he, as far as hockey goes? Yeah. Because... They're, he's, they're a different team without him, and when he steps back in the lineup, it seems like they play with a little bit more jam. For sure, and, and he's barely played this year, right? We all saw the injury that he went through, and then he's just getting, recently getting over some rib stuff. So he, he hasn't been available to him for a big chunk of the season. They're a different group when he's in there. Everybody walks a little bit taller. Um, but they've added some other, you know, watch, watch Vinny DeHarnay tomorrow night, you guys. I'd be interested to hear what you think about I mean, not a lot of people would have heard of this guy. Started the year way down on the depth chart. He's like six foot six, six foot seven. He's a monster, kills penalties, blocks shots. He's one of those great stories of a guy who made it late in his career. Big, strong guy. He makes them play bigger. Clem Costin came out of nowhere in that trade with St. Louis. And, you know, he may or may not be in the lineup. He's added size and grit, and he's taken some tough fights this year. They're all walking a little bit taller. Do you see what Ryan Nugent Hopkins did last week? I mean, obviously you did. It was against the Leafs. Like, where where did that come from? And yeah. I agree with you. I think Evander Kane's influence on this group. You guys remember last year, there was an incident in Mini where things got rough and ugly out there, and Evander Kane was fighting off about four guys on his own. And I think something was said, and this team has been different on that front since. And a quick comment, Rich. I guess in a salary cap era, that's kind of what you got to have. Like, you got to... You got to sign a guy that was kind of on the outs, and then you got to trade for a guy that was on the outs, and then have someone just magically appear and be really good for you. It's just almost mandatory in a salary cap era. Yeah, you need you need to have Stanley Cup winning teams have guys on bargain deals, guys playing yeah. large roles in their lineup on deals that seem really good. So I think we all know all things being completely calm. Evander Kane's number on the free agent market is probably different than what it is, um, but. He's been, by all accounts, an excellent contributor on and off the ice. Uh, it's a story that we follow closely, and by all accounts, it's been, it's been a success. And so you have that. You've got a rookie in DeArnay. Um, but honestly, guys, like, uh, it's not talked about enough because McDavid and Dreisaitl are here. 
Look at the season that Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman are having. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. For the money they make, the contributions that they're giving this team, it's ridiculous to have two guys like that. Zach Hyman has 72 points. He's almost got 30 goals. And they're at 65 games into the season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is 11th in scoring. He's got 78 points. He makes 5 million bucks. Like, you talk about players accomplishing really high-end things on bargain deals. Look no further than those two. Right. You said the Zach Hyman stat with a little too much excitement there for the Toronto market. Yeah, if you we can don't just, talk if about you can him. Pull that we back don't talk about him. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. That'd, that'd be great. Uh, should be that great. one is what it is, man. I still, I still <laughs> shake my head when I watch him play, and I think, how could a team, whatever financial situation you're in, how could you walk yourself into a scenario where you're not able to keep that person and that player on your team? And I know there was nuance there, and it's not that simple, but I, I still scratch my head at how, how that We're out of time, Val. We're out of time. we got to let you go. Oh, yeah. we got a really busy right. show. Segment. I, I got nothing. I'll come back after the break. We'll okay. do a Hyman no, segment. All right. Well, have Ryan Rashog on for the next two hours. Uh, appreciate you taking so much time for us, my friend. Yeah. Great to talk to you guys. There you have it. TSN's Oilers reporter, Ryan Rashad, getting set for the Oilers and the Maple Leafs on the weekend. Uh, a lot of Canadians doing some work at CP, uh, TPC Sawgrass right now. Adam Svensson tied for first. Taylor Pendrith tied for sixth. Adam Hadwin tied for eight. Three Canadians in the top ten. And they're done for the day. They suspended play. Oh, did? Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, Looks so Spence is going to go into Saturday tied for the lead with Bezadenhout. Should be a great weekend. Is, uh, is he done? Is Svensson done? Everybody's the, done. They, they, they called it somehow. No, but I mean, is Svensson's second no. round done? No. no, he's only that he's sucks. 11 that sucks. through it. Or he's on 12, I think. That would be money for him if they finished 18 for the second round and then he could just sit and watch Carnage. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a quick break. When we return on Overdrive, Jose Bautista will join us here on TSN 1050 and on TSN 4.